Welcome to Your Business, Your Life with Matt DeFrancesco, your personal financial technician. Whether you've had years of success in your business or just starting out, Highlift Financial can help you create a vision for your business, life, and family, and align these for generational wealth. As they say, what happens in your life affects your business. And now, on to the show. Hello, and welcome to Your Business, Your Life with your host, me, Matt Francesco. So, hey, I hope everybody's having a great start to the new year here. You know, I'm really excited, as always, <laughs> to have uh, this guest. And, and Laura and I, we connected here uh, before the holidays. And just, you know, kind of hearing, you know, what she does and her story really inspired me to show that there is hope out there for a lot of shop owners who are kind of lost out there, especially as either how to uh, progress their business or to transition their business. So my guest today is Laura Gay. She's the founder of Collision Coach, and uh, which specializes in assisting collision shop owners in a seamless transition of their business and to try to maximize the return they get uh, if they're looking to sell to an, a consolidator and just to help them to realize their dreams for the rest of their life. Now, she's been an owner of multiple shops, um, and she understands the intricacies of the collision uh, repair business. And she's also had the opportunity to sell her own shop. So she's kind of giving firsthand knowledge as she goes about helping her clients clients, basically to assist them in this transition. So in addition to that, she also has a consulting business, uh, Collision and Consulting of Florida, uh, where she does shop evaluations and services to uh, shops across the country in all aspects of collision repair. And so, you know, because she's personally dealt with many of the challenges that collision shop owners face, I know she's got some just fantastic information to share with us. So Laura, uh, I hope I introduced you as well as I could. I, I don't want to, I, I, I could go on and on, but Laura, welcome to your business, your life. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I, uh, I've been looking forward to getting on and doing this podcast with you and sharing the good word. That's, that's great. And you know what? That's really what this is all about is just sharing the good word with people. There is hope out there, right, Laura? Absolutely. There is help. There is hope for sure. Great, great. So, you know, Laura, I know you, uh, your journey started uh, growing up in a family business and then uh, to coaching, to consulting. I know you own collision shops and life's kind of thrown you many curves, or as I like to say, wrenches uh, in the process. I uh, wanted to see if you could just give the audience an idea of what brought you to the place where you are now. So that's a great question. So I'm a first generation body shop girl. I uh, got introduced to the body shop business back when I was 19 years old. I was in college, attending community college because my father's business had gone bankrupt. So my dreams of going to a four-year school were out the window. And while I was going to this community college, I was working for a car dealership selling cars and it just wasn't my thing. I I needed to find something that was more of my fit. And I went to them and I told them, look, I'm going to, you know, I don't want to leave you short, but I do want you to know I'm going to, I'm going to look for a job. And they were like, no, 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 no. We, We don't want you to go. We see so much in you. Um, you know, what is it that you want to do? And, and I, and I said, well, um, you know, I always thought the body shop was kind of cool. I used to always walk back there and look at what the guys were doing. I always thought it was intriguing. And they said, well, we'll just stick you in the body shop. You know, there was another girl in there. They pulled that girl out and they put me in there. Right. And, um, to be honest with you, you know, kind of, you know, it's kind of joke, you know, but the rest is history really. Um, and um, fast forward, you know, I worked at that dealer body shop 
invented process before process was even a thing in the collision industry. This was back in the early nineties. Wow. Um, when, when process wasn't even something that anybody even was even thinking about. Yeah. I was working on, um, you know, process improvement, just creating process, you know, increasing sales there exponentially adding direct repairs, which predicated expansion of the shop. And then I got to a point in my life where, you know, I wanted to have children and being in an operations and a collision center, specifically a dealership, it just wasn't in the DNA to be able to, you know, be a mom, be an effective mom, be a good mom. And I'm not a, I'm not a C student in anything I do. So <laughs> decided to, to look at, you know, other options and went to work for uh, an insurance carrier. Mm. And that predicated an amazing career. About 15 years, I worked for different insurers. Okay. Met a ton of people. I'm all about personal connection and right. consequently how I met you, you That's know, right. um, and fast forward, I'm trying to, I'm not even sure how old I was, but it, it was sometime in my early thirties, uh, mid thirties, possibly, I guess I, you know, with this opportunity came along for my, uh, at the time, husband and I to buy a collision center. Oh. And, uh, we bought that one collision center and grew it from, uh, just at a million, it was failing. It was bankrupt. Um, we actually bought debt. I know oh, that wow. sounds cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, right? <laughs> That's um, right. And uh, fast forward, we turned that store to a six, $6 million a year annual revenue the year we sold it. It was on track for $6 million. It would have hit $6 million, no problem. I think it might have even with the new owners. And, uh, and then we had bought a second store right before selling, maybe two or three years before. Turned that store from... 750,000 a year, just under a million to three and a half million in the first year of sales. So um, I'm an operations girl, all about process improvement, theory of constraints, 5S. I know everything about the operations of a collision center. So consequently, uh, when I went to sell my stores, I took some steps back to learn everything about mergers and acquisitions. Um, Also, many people refer to it as M&A. And how that whole process worked. Um, Mm -hmm. When I sold my stores, it was in 2015. It was in the really early stages of consolidation. I mean, we really were the first market that that whole, you know, snowball started. You know, the snowball was real small at that point. I mean, we'll all agree that snowball is pretty dang big right now. Right. But it was at the beginning infancy stages. And um, once I felt that I had, had... gain the knowledge and I was confident that I could sell our stores because let's face it, I was 42 years old at the time, 42. And I had a chronically ill son. He was a make a wish kid. Mm -hmm. So if that tells you anything, I mean, he's, he really had uh, some difficult uh, health issues. My uh, husband at the time also was very, very sick. He actually was in the hospital for most of the time that we were in the midst of the transactions. Wow. And, um, you know, I, I had to make sure that this made sense for us and that our family would be taken care of or be able to take care of ourselves long term, that this just wasn't like a snap decision. It had to be, you know, a really well thought out decision and, and very well executed. Right. Um, fast forward, sold the stores in October of 2015 
praise the Lord for the blessing because it just really was a very difficult time in um, my family's life at the time. And unfortunately, um, shortly after we sold the stores, my, my husband at the time and I divorced and he's moved on and I've moved on. But shortly after the sale of the store, I took a little bit of time off mm-hmm. and spent some great time with my son, uh, played a lot of golf with him. He was on the golf team. We just had a, a great time during mm-hmm. that period of, of life. And, um, and then unfortunately he started to get to the age where, you know, he doesn't want to be around mom He's <laughs> graduating and, and moving on in, with his life gratefully. Cause we weren't sure he was ever going to have any sense of a normal life. And mm-hmm. I just found myself, you know, doing this and I started to really get involved and I still kind of was involved. I was doing some part-time stuff, you know, running a 20 group and I was doing some public speaking, but it wasn't anything that was a full-time thing. And I was doing a little bit of M&A work too, from my friends that knew me from the industry. Uh And then I guess about four years ago, um, that's when one of the friends that I helped sell their shop said, Laura, my God, I I can, could not have gotten through this deal without you. Like, seriously, this is a business that, you know, every collision shop owner, or at least the ones like me, he was a painter that had become a body shop owner. Right. He's like, I don't know anything about this stuff. I need somebody to hold my hand and help me like you did. And, and I know that that's what most body shop owners are. Consequently, that's how Consolidation Coach was born. And now we are a full mergers and acquisitions consulting firm that helps collision shop owners from understanding what their business is worth, understanding maybe what changes they may want to make in order to get more value for the business. Maybe like if they want to take some steps back before they're ready to sell. Uh, help them understand timing, how important timing is and, and that, you know, maybe this market's buying right now, but this market's not, but this market's going to be buying in a year. Um, Just to, just all the way down the point where, Hey, we are ready to sell, let's go to market and then helping them understand the whole process. And I become their best friend from beginning to end um, and get them through the whole process, help them understand the contracts, help them make decisions not tell them what to do, but explain it and then allow them to make the decision on what they want to do and what direction they want to go and what makes sense for them and their family. Think of it as a painting. I help make a painting, help them color it so that they can actually see and visualize what their life is going to look like in six months, a year, you know, and some people, they want to go do some other business, you know, they, they might want to go open a boat business. They might want to, I have a company that a guy that wants to go and ha- and do jet ski tours. You know, another guy had a restoration business. He wanted to really dive into that. So there's people that are all over the place. Some that just want to retire, got a real, really good, good client that sold. He's out riding bicycles and motorcycles and skiing and all kinds of good stuff. So um, it's kind of unique to see and and no two deals are alike. That's the other thing. We we can craft them so they're very, very unique to the to the client, specific to the client and their needs. Right, right. And I think that because you've been through the process, that's something that's really valuable to those to those owners because you've actually done this. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, that's a huge part of it because you only get one chance to sell your shop. I mean, really you get one chance. You don't get to go back and fix your mistakes. There, there is no whiteout. 
you know, once it's done, it's done, you know, and I see a lot of shop owners really, and this is what brought me into this is shop owners leaving money on the table or shop owners thinking, well, this is the offer that I'm given. Well, there's no wiggle room. I have to accept this or not. And that's totally not the case. Right. And, um, and, and the other big thing is the real estate. A lot of body shop owners own their real estate um, and helping them understand, you know, does it make sense to lease it? Does it make sense to sell it? When does it make sense to sell it and help them understand that? Because there is some huge losses that I see with clients with just not having that knowledge. Right. And, um, and, and quite honestly, that that's really what it comes down to. It's no different than when you go to do your taxes, Mm -hmm. you know, as a big company, if you try to sit down and do your taxes yourself, I mean, you're just like, you know what I mean? Your head's ready to blow up your shoulders. It's too complicated. Right. You know, it's no different than hiring your CPA to do your taxes. You, you hire me to help you get through this very complex process. And, mm-hmm. you know, I think just as much as collision shop owners focus so much on growing their business, growing their book of business, building their business, growing their business, marketing their business, Just all the different facets, you know, cleaning the toilet. I mean, I'll go right even there. (laughs) You know, every piece of work, blood, sweat, and tears they put into it to just sell it without help and guidance is just something that I just, I just don't think is, is wise on any level. Even if it's, if if you just called me for a friendly talk, you know, I offer free consultation. I'm a friendly person. Like I said, I'm all about personal connections and, there's a lot of people that call and talk to me and decide to try to go it alone. And I'm, and I'm okay with that. You know, I just hate to see people struggle. You know what I mean? Oh, exactly. I, I, I know exactly what you're saying. And yeah, and that's, you know, you hit, I think a nail that I run into the nail on the head, something that I run into a lot is, you know, they're, they're maybe looking to exit, but they, you know, these shop owners will tell me they have no idea what their business is worth. I mean, I've read this publication, it's only worth the real estate or it's only worth uh, the equipment that we have. And, and so what are some things that the shop owners should consider when trying to determine what the worth of their business is? That's a great question. And I'm going to be honest with you. I'm not avoiding your question by any means, but it is such a, there's just so many variables. It's it, there is no black and white. Um, you know, our firm we use three methodologies to determine the value of the business, or three different approaches, and then we basically look at those three approaches to uh, determine, you know, what the value range is. Um, because obviously, we're not going to rubber stamp and say, okay, the bill, the business is worth two million dollars. Right. Um, because quite honestly a lot of the the value of the business, a significant amount of the value of the business comes into the play of, you know, are you in a market that's red hot, that you're going to have three or four buyers lined up ready to to buy you? Or are you in a market that's kind of cool and there's just not a lot of activity yet? There's just a lot, there's just too many variables to really be able to blanketly answer that question. But again, it. to the listeners that are on here, if anybody wants to call and, and, you know, take an hour of their life, I'm, I'm, I love connecting with people and uh, I can share that a little bit more on a personal level because it is so specific and so special to each individual client, because let's face it, you know, some shops have great curb appeal, 
but they don't have any equipment. You know right. what I mean? You go, you know, like I'll, I'll get pictures of a shop and I'm like, oh my God, it's amazing. And then I start looking at the equipment that they've sent me and, and they have either old paint booths or booths with no heat, just, you know, or inferior paint booths. I mean, those p- things play a huge part in the value Right. Um, the other thing is there's, there's shops that have great curb appeal and they have, don't have very good sales, mm-hmm. you know, yet they have really great equipment. So, I mean, there's just so many variables that it's just really hard to give a black and white answer. I, I can certainly understand, you know, one thing that we talked about and, um, and, and I see this a lot, not just in the collision business, but I see it in, in a lot of different businesses is where the, um, the client uh, has to sell because of maybe, maybe, maybe they're burned out or they have health issues or there's life event, events, so divorces, um, you know, deaths, those type of things. And it puts a lot of pressure on them. Now, one of my, part of my process is, you know, again, I try to help the family to create this family vision. What do they want and how does the business fit into that? And then what I wanted to do is we create what I call the self buyout program uh, where we can start putting money aside so that there is no, uh, not as much pressure that they, they don't have to worry about, you know, selling it for pennies on the dollar, but what are some other things that, that, you know, again, I'm trying to capture a lot of these owners, you know, prior to the time when they have to sell, like let's start putting plans in place. What are some other things that they can do to minimize uh, the stresses that they may face at that time when they want to exit? So to be very honest with you, um, this whole consolidation thing, kind of like a pack of chicken at the grocery store, um, (laughs) it's got an expiration date. And I'll be honest with you, you know, I think this, this bull market that we're in right now, is going to probably exist for about another two years. Oh, really? That's the bull part of it. Yeah. So, you know, when you think about selling, you know, the bull market is you've got all of these private equity uh, companies that are, you know, small, medium, large. Then you have, you know, Caliber and Gerber out there, Crash Champions, Classic, Right. Um, you know, and then you even have Carstar, um, you know, that that's out there buying. When you have those players, you know, out there buying that many of them, um, they're wanting to make a lot of traction fairly quick. Right. And um, a lot of people have a lot of different views on it. But I think the the hundred mile an hour charge straight ahead, you know, market that we're in right now, I think is probably only going to continue for, and again, I, this is my opinion. I could be totally wrong for maybe about another two years. Okay. And then I think it's, and then I think it's going to slow down and I think it's not going to be as aggressive because um, I think what's going to happen is, is most of the people that are buying are going to have the footprint that they're seeking. Right. And then at that point, it's going to be more very strategic Okay. And where right now it's just, you know, everybody, you know, it's like Pac-Man, everybody's running around, you know, tr- you know trying to stuff shops in their mouth like Pac-Man. Right. right. So I, I think that honestly, I think anything you can do, you know, the biggest thing is going to be increase your sales. You know what I mean? Right. That, that would be the number one thing. And, and, you know, you have to go about that however you, you deem, mm. but the quickest and easiest way to do it, not always the most favorable or profitable is to add, direct repairs if you can get them. And that's another problem. You know, a lot of the independents are struggling, even if they want to get, you know, add direct repairs is because a lot of the consolidators 
and this is I've seen this dynamic happen a lot s- since the pandemic. Right. Uh, the consolidators, you know, have gotten a lot of market share. And consequently, when they get the market share, they might have been in three shops in that market. And then the consolidator came in in the same market. Well, now maybe all three of those shops lost their partner. You know what I mean? Because the direct repair of the insurance company is now with the the consolidator. You know what I mean? They've, They've moved over. So consequently, getting these new partnerships can be challenging, Mm -hmm. but, but not, not completely something that can't happen. And again, and it's, it's market to market and it's not a black and white answer either. Right. Yeah. Well, that's the one thing that I've noticed that at least my observation is, and, and, and when speaking with other industry experts is that the independent shop is not going to go away, but that universe may become much smaller and that it's probably going to have to become more specialized, whether Correct. it's, you know, we we work on Euro luxury cars or domestic trucks, or maybe even it's just brand specific. Maybe they just, you know, work directly with an MSO and say, we only do Ford trucks. We only do Mercedes Benz. Uh, those, you know, those type of things, you know, and, and even the whole EV thing, that's, you know, that's creating a whole new dynamic out there. So I don't think the independent space is ever going to go away. And I think, you know, from what you're saying, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, that, you know, there's this short window, but you, that the independent shop owner, let's say he's like 40 and has young kids and he's not looking to sell at this point. He can't evolve the business. And not have to worry about, I have to sell it now to do that. Am am, am I understanding that properly? You're absolutely correct. 100% correct. There's always going to be a need and a desire for an independent repairer, um, especially one that is quality focused, customer focused, um, that uh, delivers a really high end quality product, safe product. Um, and quite honestly, a lot of those repairs are really changing their business model where, uh, for example, you know, they get the insurance company, they come out, they write an estimate for 5,000, you know, but really to fix the car, it's 8,000, right. um, you know, kind of like a concierge medicine, no different right. than that. You know, I think we're going to have kind of this kind of, kind of the same mentality, but, but in the collision space where, you know, hey, I realize that my insurance is only going to pay X and, you know, I'm going to have to pay the difference, you know, mm-hmm. and to be honest with you, I, I'm one of those clients, you know what I mean? I, right. And, and, and I, I mean, I guess because I'm in the industry, I understand it, you know, it's no different than last night, I went to go get an MRI, you know, and there was some things that the insurance company, um, it's a long story, but anyway, I needed yeah. to get a CAT scan as well. Right. And there was this big rigmarole to get it approved. And I just said, you know, how much is it? You know, and they said $250. I said, look, I'll just pay for it. You know, let's yeah. just move on. You know, it's sometimes it's just not worth the, the, uh, the, the fight to get, to get it. And, and, and people that are able to do that are, are, will continue to support these independent shops. And I think also you're going to see higher repair order dollars mm-hmm. in these shops because, you know, it's, it's no different than if you go to Ruth Chris and you have a steak versus if you go to Outback. I mean, you go to Outback, two people have dinner. You can get out of there for, you know, $60 plus a tip. Right. You, two people go to Ruth Chris. 
I mean, you're not getting out of there for any any less than 150 to 175 dollars plus yeah. a tip. And that's without um, drinks. <laughs> yeah, correct. So I, I think that's kind of it's it's the same mentality. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? I, I just think that you know there there's going to be McDonald's, there's going to be Burger King, there's going to be Outback, and then there's going to be Ruth Chris. But you know, think of it in the collision space. Yeah. Um, I think long-term that's what it's going to look like. And to your point on EV cars, I think you're going to see, you know, EV continue to, to grow. Um, and uh, especially, you know, if the current leadership stays in office right. for another four years, you know, they're very much about EV. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, look at Mercedes, they're not even making an AMG line. And I think it's 2022 or 23, one or the other, they're not right. even making an AMG line. And look at Mercedes's new EV cars. I mean, they are just gorgeous, gorgeous sexy, yeah. hot cars. And uh, and then there's so many other, you know, new manufacturers coming out with these new EV cars that I think you're going to have shops that are specific to EV repair. Right. And I think also those shops are probably going to be more in that concierge wheelhouse because they are so technical. It requires a higher level technician Yep. Uh, not not that a Corolla doesn't require a high level technician because they do, yeah. but it's just going to be on a on a more intense level, if you will. Yeah, you just can't be a jack of all trades, and I think it's happening in every Correct. industry these days. So, so hey, we're getting close on time, and this is something I really want to hit on. And it's and it's kind of, again, you know, I work with a lot of different collision shop owners and some are like, you know, hey, no, you know, I don't want my kids to work this hard. I'm going to sell the business. But I've got a lot of them that want to look at passing it on to the next generation and doing that transition. And so considering the family takeover, what do you recommend shop owners do to try to make this transition smoothly, especially if their kids are younger or maybe early mid teens? Um, is, are there are there different steps that the shop owner can make to to help make this transition much more smooth for them and not create a lot of friction between the family members? Yeah, I will tell you, I have assisted a lot of family members in this, and more are successful than not. Yeah. Um, but there are some families where the the dynamics are just you just can't get a a smooth transaction or something where somebody's not, you know, upset or feeling slighted. Um, But I feel like most of them go through fairly smooth. And honestly, I I really think it's about communication. You know what I mean? Being able to have an open conversation. And a lot of times having someone like me kind of, you know, because I do that as well as a separate consulting thing, nothing to do with selling the business, but, you know, as a, a mindful, a mom, you know, a caring person, you know, that says, Hey guys, you know, think about this, think about that. You know, does this make sense? Does that make sense? Would this make you happy? Would you be okay with this? And, and just helping the family through the whole, for lack of better words, thought process, because honestly in families and in life, I think when you really care about someone a lot, you know, you don't, the last thing you want to do is upset them, hurt yeah. their feelings, you know, put them in a bad way. And, and, and sometimes we hold back how we really feel or what we really need or what we think is right, you know, for their feelings or their needs. And right. I guess I try to like 
help with that so that all sides are comfortable and truly peaceful with the with the the transfer. I just did a really cool one with a family up in New York um, and uh, they're doing great. So I, I think it's totally doable. And I yep. think that um, it's great. And I think the other thing I wanted to just add, if you don't mind, Fine. related to shops wanting to continue, you know, mm. running their store. Right. I think a big part of that is going to be a mentality change. Quite honestly, I, I think that, um, and and maybe we can do another podcast another time, you know, kind of expand on this, but yeah. I think men- mentality from literally the way you check a client in, the way you manage the client, the way you market, uh, the way you run your shop, literally uh, there's some shops, you know, how they run their cash flow. Literally, there has to be a complete reset mentality change. And I think that if shop owners understand that and can grasp that and understand they're not going to be able to run their shop like they did the last 20 years, I think that they can totally be successful. I know they actually will end up making more money. And I also think that we're on the cusp of having a labor rate, what I call tail whip, meaning I think that the the dragon's tail starting to turn right. with the labor rates. Mm-hmm. And I think that's also going to be a huge player because I think the rates, I, again, I'm not a fortune teller. I don't have yeah. my little ball, but I do think that we're going to, we're going to start to see a turn on that, which right. is going to make a huge difference. Oh, I, I can imagine. And it's, it's funny that you mentioned that because that was one of the things that was going through my head. It's one thing that a lot of times when I'm working with a, um, with a family, you know, the first thing that, that I'm doing, especially if we're trying to pre- create this family vision is have the, um, the, the, the parents tell their story. And what I find is, and I think what you, you, you made a comment that was true. It's really about communication and sometimes having the parents tell the story and how they had to grind and, and they built this thing and they birthed it. It makes the kids aware. And I remember I had one uh, client who the wife afterwards said to me, she said, thank you so much because you know what? My husband never had the opportunity with his dad and uncles for them to tell their their story. He never got that opportunity. And so, you know, he was kind of, again, even though he was second, third generation, you know, never was still kind of building it from the ground up and didn't understand the story. But I think the one thing you hit, and I, I really like to do another session on this is this idea of the change of mindset, because I think shop owners, especially the next generation is going to have to become much more entrepreneurial. And it's something that I, I try to help the, the kids who are coming into the business to start thinking differently. I don't profess to be an ops guy. I mean, I, I let people like you handle that kind of stuff, but again, I can help them through my, you know, 25 years of experience in working with business owners and, and personal and being a business owner to create this entrepreneurial mindset, because we're going to have to start thinking differently because as the industry is changing, you know, we can't do business the way that it, uh, that we've been doing it for years and years. Yeah. I would say you hit the nail 100% on the head on that. So absolutely correct. Awesome. So, well, so let's do that. Well, let's plan on, uh, we'll do another session and we'll just talk about some of the changes in mindset that, that uh, shop owners need to, um, uh, need to consider, but you know, as we close here, Laura, so who are your ideal clients and how do they find you? All right. So ideal clients are anyone that's just thinking about selling. I'm, and, uh, you know, I was 42 at the, at the time. So, I mean, I mean, that's a, kind of an anomaly, 
Um, but there's plenty of shop owners that are, that are in their forties, uh, even fifties and sixties. But I would say anyone that's at the natural age of attrition, are they ready to sell right? or, or even at least thinking about it? I would say depending on the market, but the consolidators, what I'll call sweet spot is a shop that's doing 3 million as low as 2 million in sales, a shop that's got 10,000 square foot or more. I would say those would be the quick, easy parameters. Uh, there's some other parameters, but a lot of that other stuff we can get around or we can work around. But the shops that are, are fairly small, unless they could be considered like what they call a storefront where mm. maybe they're in downtown Chicago and maybe they have another location or, the, or a potential location could be made like a half an hour away or 20 minutes away where, the, where it could be brought in downtown Chicago and then moved out, for example. Right. Um, the smaller shops really are a struggle. The consolidators just aren't looking to them because it's just so difficult to have yeah. profitability in them. Right. I get it. I get it. So, and they can find you where? So uh, you can check out my website at consolidationcoach.com. Certainly give me a call anytime or text call 301-399-8675 or email me at laura at consolidationcoach.com. Yep. And we'll have that all in the show notes. So Laura, this has been awesome. Like I said, we can, we could probably go on and on. And I, and I do want to uh, have you on again to talk a lot about this mindset because that, that just really hit the nail on the head there. So, so I want to thank you for being on the last thanks always goes out to the listener. Thank you for listening to your business, your life with me, Matt Francesco. Uh, if you've not subscribed to the podcast, please click on the subscribe button below. That way, anytime a new episode comes out, uh, it will download directly to your device. And it will also make it easy for you to share this uh, podcast with other people that you think would benefit from the content. If you're watching on YouTube, uh, again, please give us a like. And if you're listening or watching and you like what you hear, please give us a five-star review. That way it moves us up on the charts and helps us to uh, get out to more people. So Again, I want to thank everybody for uh, thank Laura first uh, for being uh, my guest today. Thank you, the audience. And uh, I just want to from Highly Financial, just uh, ask you to have make every day your best day and take care and God bless. Bye bye. Hey, I really want to thank you for listening to the Your Business, Your Life podcast. If you want to be notified when new episodes become available, click the subscribe button below. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the guest and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of High Lift Financial. The content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional investment, legal, or tax advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified professional with any questions you may have regarding your business or personal planning. DeFrancesco Financial Concierge, LLC, DBA, High Lift Financial, is a registered investment advisor. Registration with the United States Securities and Exchange Commission or any state security authority does not imply a certain level of skill or training.